0: Resolute Square.
1: There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list, which was rather extensive and continually being updated.
2: Democrats want Republicans dead. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortion. On
1: January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting.
0: So it's not a right-wing conspiracy theory, it's not QAnon. It's real.
2: <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is the Enemies List. Welcome back to the Enemies List. My second guest today is Matt Dixon. Matt is the senior national political reporter with NBC. He covers a whole wide spectrum of the chaotic Republican presidential race, and and frankly, stories beyond that uh, that's going on this year. But Matt is a fellow Florida man, and we have a, a mutual interest in the anthropology, the psychology, the performance of one Ron DeSantis, who has been- uh been having some some low light campaign that was marked for about a year of pretty easy going highlights matt welcome back to the you've been even you've been i'm here before right did we have you before i uh, i don't i think i think so it's been I've a little had you while on but some I've podcasts here. or yeah, before uh... <laughs> anyway well matt welcome to the
1: Thank you, thank you, I'm honorable Florida man. I was not wasn't born here, but I've been here fifteen years, and the state just sort of seeps into your DNA somehow. So now I I feel Florida man. Well,
2: look, look. After fifteen years, you're a Florida man. I mean, I'm a fifth generation Florida man, so I'm I'm a different animal. But you you uh, you are certainly you've earned your you've earned your Florida stripes out for 15 years. You've had your share of pub subs, as they say. So listen, Matt, I want to talk to you a little bit. You were out covering the the uh, Ron DeSantis campaign event this weekend in Park City, Utah, a town I've spent some time in. What's the feeling inside DeSantis world after this after week after week of off the rails, chaos, dissent? Concern stories uh, percolating out of his world. I
1: don't think the disconnect between sort of public perception of the campaign and how the money folks and the inside folks feel could could be any larger. There was a real, despite two months that that really haven't gone well. It's it's been a campaign launch that's kind of gone off the rails relatively quickly. He's actually you know trailing more in the polls to President Trump now. The team huddled and and I don't think they were blowing real smoke. Sure. I, I think there's a legit sense of optimism still that they can you know we've all talked about and you've tweeted endlessly about the proverbial quote reset and there is some there remains optimism within his camp and, and especially with the donors that were out in park city this weekend that that what they plan on trying to do is 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 actually going to work and sort of get things back on track even as donald trump continues to have 30 40 point leads and seemingly sort of his narcotic like effect on the republican base isn't really going anywhere
2: you know i i, I mean it's it's not a secret in Tallahassee that Ron DeSantis is not a uh, a guy who's really particularly warm and personable. Um he's not he's not a, he's not one of these people <laughs> with that sort of candidate charisma where you walk out of the room and think, "Man, I'm going to be friends with this guy." Are the donor I mean uh, and I've talked to a couple of his uh, I've talked to a couple of people who have cooled on him and the sense is sort of like, "You know, we we were really looking for anybody except Trump and he looks so good in Florida on paper and you know, why can't he quite? Why, why can't he connect with people? And why can't he be, you know, uh, uh, somebody that 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 has a sort of warmer affect? And I just and I've told all of them like that's not this guy. He's not ever going to be, um, you know, he's not ever going to be the guy who who emotionally connects with people.
1: Right. And I've had it described to me because you're right, like the the general idea of him connecting. Even I've had stories of even in his day job meeting with, you know, influential business groups or the folks that that usually carry the currency of the day Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee and state capitals across the country. And even Mm -hmm. in those meetings, he's kind of in the corner on his phone as staff leads the meeting. There's no no connection politically, personally, you know, professionally. But I have heard him described to me and going back to a setting like Park City is kind of a, 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 quote, billionaire whisperer. And we saw this a little bit with Sheldon Adelson, mm-hmm. Sheldon Adelson, the late Sheldon Nadelson, chaired his his finance committee mm-hmm. in 2018 when he ran for governor. That's a guy who doesn't really get involved with, with state level really? politics or didn't get involved with state level politics. And there's the you know, an anecdote that I've, I've gotten into a little bit in the past where he went over and met with him and it went really well. And, and his staff at that point said, he's just, you know, if, if you're a, quote, run of the mill millionaire, he might not, you know, give you the. time of day he doesn't necessarily respect that but you know with with a group of people like that it's kind of a a, a, you know a a different switch for him in his brain and i i think there was Probably some of that with the donors who are sticking with him even though things aren't going well. Well, no doubt there's a few that have even publicly said that they're, you know, either shopping for other candidates or no longer with him. That's very much a reality. But I do think he's he's gonna be able to keep enough people on board to to fund this thing for a while, no no matter how, you know, no matter how it looks in, in public polling. Right, right.
2: I I do think though that he I, I think there have been a number of his major donors who are now publicly and privately sort of in the Schwartzmans of the world sort of flirting with Glenn Youngkin, trying to get him in the race. Um, And I think the, I think the DeSantis campaign always was in a weird wedge because I mean, for the billionaire class, they have to have one message, but for the rest of the Republican base um, tell us a little bit about how they sort of tried to like meme their way into this very online, uh, image for DeSantis. And how do you think that's going for him, you know, both in the primary, uh, you know, when you're when you're posting up against Trump? And how do you think it would play out as you get to a general election since he's parked himself out pretty far out on the on the cliff on a lot of these issues?
1: oh you're, you're playing the role of attorney here you're asking questions you know the answer to right yeah <laughs> uh, i mean the 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 general idea The a- allowing the sort of online trolls not just in the room but to sort of control the room hasn't just been a strategy right. it's been the strategy i mean reporters in florida national reporters are starting to learn the reality that we've been stuck with here in florida for three or four years where you know your texts and emails are fair game to be screenshot and put online there will right. be personal attacks and the media strategy is to attack the media. Mm-hmm. There's an open acknowledgement that making our life more difficult is sort of the goal and the strategy, and that you know that has worked well for him as governor. He won by 20 points. He you know turned Miami Day blue. It's a it's a strategy. Well, that's only part of the story because Democrats kind of give up on the state. But if we're talking about DeSantis, what he has done—a 20-point victory can't be understated. It worked for him as governor. As it turns out, a broader audience when he leaves sort of the safety of the Florida ecosystem, it hasn't exactly gone as well some of the same tactics that that helped him rise post pandemic are making you know people aren't people aren't receptive to them they look it looks kind of strange when the light gets a lot brighter and i think they're learning that now um they do have more traditional communications folks on the super PAC side there are some people who um have interacted with the press True. in a much more traditional way and it hasn't been nearly as adversarial. So I think they're starting to realize that I think some of the people that have, have become sort of celebrities in the far right Twitter sphere have, have been their X sphere, I guess that the X axis fear, whatever, whatever we're supposed to call it now have sort of been sidelined and they're not nearly quite as influential because the messaging, Well, I guess, as I say that, I'm reminded of the the ad that just went viral that that they apparently produced in house and and sent out. So I'm kind of stepping on my own point here. But I do think more broadly, the communication strategy is getting slightly more traditional and we're going to see more of that moving forward. Whether it's too late or not, I I really don't know. But I do think there is a bit of a shift and even reporters who cover him a lot have noticed that is more traditional communications. People come in. It it, it is
2: interesting that that the Hawkman's and pushaws of the world Um, who had a very dominant role in the, in the beginning of this, I think those, I think those two videos that were put out from, from the, they were end up create being created in house, but released by the campaign, pretending they weren't being created in house. I think they probably lost an awful lot of currency with the most important constituency of all, which is Casey, you know, who was obviously, you know, she may be a, a pretty far right individual, but she was also embarrassed by those things. Those things were embarrassing to the campaign and, and, They don't seem like they have a lot of tolerance for embarrassment.
1: Right. And I think those things can be reflected in just the the tweets that we've seen, not only from the individuals, but this, the the new DeSantis war room Twitter account, which I think a lot of those, the folks were talking Mm -hmm. about kind of controlled the messaging and the, the sort of pugilistic nature of that account has been toned down quite a bit. So I I think uh, there, there are overt signals or, you know, that aren't very subtle that the, that some of those folks are, you know, the the
2: influence is waning, I guess. And that, that that clack of influencers on on Twitter that they had sort of assembled to be the the Santa's cheering section, you know, when he went on CNN the other day, there was a sort of obvious like you they couldn't you could hear the gears in their brains going trying to figure out how to how to respond to it because that was the the last thing they thought that I think he would do was you know go out and dare to talk to the mainstream media. Why would you bother with that?
1: Well, and there was just the wave of tweets that were inevitable, where, or, or not even tweets, but there were some stories about two months ago, they were you know poking fun at candidates who do things like CNN saying, CNN's dead, right. CNN has no influence, CNN, you know, no Republican primary voters speak to CNN. And then, you know, two months later, they- Watch
2: were, our important yeah. interview with Jake right. Tapper.
1: Right, right. The, the LFG sort of mentality after, you know, months of, you know, poo-pooing on the influence of the uh-huh. mainstream media was, was, you know, evident, you know.
0: So, Matt,
2: um, you know, the reason I wanted you on the show also, not just because we could exchange DeSantis gossip all day, uh, you have a new book coming out. Tell us about it. Uh, and it is a subject near and dear to both of our hearts, the great state of Florida and its politics.
1: It is. It's it's called called Swamp Monsters, and it'll be out in January. We're just uh, putting the f- final touches on it. And it's kind of interesting, the evolution that was originally my idea was. How uh, Florida is kind of the national, the biggest swing state in the country, to you know, very functionally center right now. But as the Desantis Trump relationship sort of became right. the you know most defining relationship in, in modern Republican politics, or maybe politics more broadly, the book sort of reflects that now, and it uh, sort of charts the evolution of, of that relationship. It's not always been as good as it seemed, even in the beginning. There's always been behind the scene tension, and we got some some color and some some anecdotes right. that haven't been told about that. And we also chart. You know, the rise of, of DeSantis to winning by 20 points, Trump winning the state by three points, which was seen as a lot in 2016, sort of is, is you know, mirrored by or mirrored, but but follow the trajectory of the, the, the drop off of Democrats in the state. It's essentially a a, a one party state at this sure. point. So we. We talk about both paths, you know, the relationship Trump and DeSantis and its impact nationally. It's it's got a national focus. And then how the right. collapse and, and the national sure. Democrats giving up on Florida has, you know, really, really helped expedite that.
2: Yeah, it's a point. It's a point that I think you made. You and I have talked about this a, a bunch that, you know, the the question of DeSantis winning by 19 points wasn't well, how did he win by 19 points? It's, why didn't he win by more? I yeah. mean, the the Democratic Party mounted. The the uh, a candidate who both sides hate. I mean, the Democrats don't trust Charlie Chris, and the Republicans hate him with the fire of a billion sons, because he's a former Republican. Um, DeSantis outspent him by, I don't know, something like, what, a 20 to 1 or something. Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, he inherited this enormous operation, the best Republican party in the country, all that. I, I mean, and that is really a question. I had Nikki Fried on a couple of weeks ago. We had a great conversation. I love her. But it is a party. The Democratic Party is a party that has a very high hill to climb in this state.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the most interesting data point, I think, of that uh, going back to 2018, the last midterm election here, the national Democratic groups put in about 60 million dollars in Florida. This cycle, that number was two. So they func- I mean, they functionally gave up on the state. I mean, the 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 past party chair uh, Manny Diaz is he ran with the idea that Mike Bloomberg was going to fund the party. They were close. He said, elect me and I'll get Bloomberg money that never happened. And, and the party never really got off the mat. Uh, the, you know, the, the anecdote that, you know, I think exemplifies that in a real way. I didn't know who the Florida Democratic Party's communications director was the entire cycle. They just functionally didn't exist. So it was, you know, a, a party, a party that a party that didn't exist. And, and Nikki's trying to rebuild it now. But it is uh it is a steep hill to climb. And, and I don't think they're to the point where in 2024, things like you know winning U.S. Senate races necessarily should be the barometer. But I think they're trying to build in smaller metrics to sort of build the idea that that they are making progress, and we'll see how that goes.
2: So, Matt, when you when you started writing Swamp Monster, you you did have that conception; it was going to be about this Trump Desantis race. When you started looking at it, did it feel like um, Desantis would be would be further along today against Trump than he is because he seems, I mean, he started out in polls about a year ago. There were, there were surveys I saw about a year ago where it was, you know, Trump 50 DeSantis 35. And now Trump's in the mid fifties and DeSantis is in the mid to high teens.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I thought Trump was always the front runner. I I was under no conception that, that anything, but, but I I didn't, didn't, and I, I, think some other people had better foresight than me because I think some people did call this, but I saw it as being a slightly closer race with Trump as a front runner, but, but DeSantis definitely in the mix. And when it's it started to hit for me, there's a, I forget the exact name, but there's a, a big Western in Denver, a big Western annual conservative convention where everyone goes and there's this massive off sure. your strapple. DeSantis won it two years in a row. And I remember talking to the folks out there mm-hmm. and they were kind of like, you know, we expected Trump to, you know, maybe do a little better. And DeSantis won this thing two years in a row. And everyone out there, I talked to a bunch of of, of conservatives and Republicans. And this is during, you know, uh, last year or so, a, well, a while ago. And they were all, you know, sort of right. touting how big of a presence he had there. And that's when the light went on for me saying, all right, we're covering a national politician. This is no longer just a governor. And it seemed like all arrows were pointing up. What is notable to me uh, is how quickly the the collapse kind of happened because after I spent uh, election night in 2022 in St. Petersburg covering Charlie Crist uh, election oh. night, quote, un- party, which kind of. Kind of I'm felt sorry. like a funeral for. for <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it actually felt more like a funeral for a political party, honestly. But uh, on my drive back from Tallahassee, I, I spent I, the whole time yeah. listening to conservative radios. So this is the day after the election. And everyone from the, you know, the Bucks Actons of the world to all of the, the major right, national right. conservative talk. And all they could talk about, especially since Republicans didn't do as well nationally. The entire focus was on the, the great new hope that is Ron DeSantis. And so that was November. You know, so it's not as though this was a long period of time from DeSantis going for America's governor for conservatives to down thirty in national public polling. It, it really has been sort of a a, a quick process, which I, I think is kind of you know a, a notable element of it, and just you know speaks to how much the the base is still sort of hardwired for Donald Trump.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and and I also think there's there's a weird contradiction with Ron DeSantis. And I don't know if you've observed this as well. I'm sure you have. He fears Trump at a certain sort of like basal level. Um and and I just I always find that ironic that this is the guy who talks the toughest in in a way, never bugged yeah. down, of of all these people. And yet he's just as cautious about offending the the dear leader as the rest of them.
1: Yeah. And internally they're open about it. We've had, we've seen, you know, memos that have, have leaked intentionally. Otherwise I, I, you know, sometimes those happen accidentally, sometimes they don't, but in there, they, right. you know, they openly say they're never really going to turn the, to train their fire on, on Trump, the line that was in some of the stuff we've seen was if they're asked about it, they'll address it. But then the you know question asked, question answered, and they're going to move on to, to, to Biden. So and even in, in one of the memos we, we reported on a couple of weeks ago, they talked about Tim Scott, not Donald Trump. So Tim Scott is I making gains in the polls. Tim mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim Scott's making gains in the polls. Tim Scott is is closing the gap from two to three. And they're focused on the guy that's on their heels as opposed to the guy they're losing to by 20 or 30, which I, I think is an interesting observation out of itself. It's they're not even, you know, you know, sort of sprinkling the internal the internal communications with how do we how do we address the Trump problem? It's how do we address the everyone else problem, which is, you know, uh, I, I think a, a snapshot of, of the thinking to, to what you
2: described. A, a loose and I would call him a disaffected DeSantis ally in Tallahassee this weekend said to me, he goes, "How do I keep going back? A, a lobbyist. How do I keep going back to my clients and telling them to give more money to Ron DeSantis when he's basically now starting to see Vivek Ramaswamy outperforming him, a guy who has spent no money, uh, who is nobody? How how do I how do I how do I explain that to our to our our corporate people that that that? And if, folks, if you don't know this, folks." Every lobbyist in Tallahassee, Florida, the third largest state in the country, it is a multi-billion-dollar industry. They are being told by the DeSantis team, in and out of government, "You better perform for us. You better raise money for us. You better you better deliver, um, or there will be consequences." And and so this this guy was like, you know, Tim Scott's one thing, but how how is he losing how how is he losing ground or holding ground while Vivek Ramaswamy is climbing up? How is that possible? And well, it, it really is a weird sort of, 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 you know, the only easy day is yesterday, the Navy SEAL kind of thing of, of you know, it pays to be a winner. And when you're not a winner, right. when you're not perceived as the guy who's the inevitable winner, things start to get loose around the edges and fall yeah. apart.
1: I do think the answer for those contract lobbyists who are having those conversations now is if their clients have any business in Tallahassee, no matter what happens, Ron DeSantis is going to be governor for the next year, for, for two more years. So I, you know, if, if, you know, I'm one of those contract guys and I have to bring that to my, if they have any sure. business in Tallahassee and the, if anyone thinks that they're not going to keep score in that regard, they're, they're, they're mistaken.
2: His government people have been so blunt about like you better, you better perform for the for the governor. You better, you better call the campaign. You better call the super PAC. I mean, I, that that's the kind of shit. Like, I gotta wonder. And and uh, one one person said to me recently, he goes, he goes, you know, is I'm gonna do what I've got to do, but I also wonder if like I'm gonna have to talk to the FBI at some point when they come calling because they're gonna because this is so blunt and over the top in a lot of cases. They're not really the most like delicate, sophisticated players. Well, it's the putting it in writing that I think
1: caught a lot of people by surprise. I mean, being a governor is inherently a political job. And the idea that staffers for governors, you know, perhaps made phone calls in the past from the Florida, you know, Republican Republican Party of Florida buildings probably happened. But there was checks messages out to folks, you know, sort of actively trying to bundle contributions. During
2: work hours.
1: (laughs) Yeah. and, And I think that's kind of what Because initially when those messages were going out, like the same night, I was getting them flagged to me like, what is this? And you know, if if you're uh if you do Uh, something that grosses out a a contract lobbyist, then you've done something that's you know definitely definitely not
2: (laughs) right. These are not people with, shall we say, the most delicate moral sensibilities. Yeah.
1: I wasn't I wasn't getting texts from kindergarten teachers, you know. Right.
2: So so as you were writing Swamp Monsters. Um, you know, your, your your point that Florida has taken this fairly abrupt turn to the right, it was a long, I mean, you could say the arc of, of politics was bending to the right in the state of Florida for a long time. But when in the era of Trump and with this MAGA migration to Florida, it seems like we're moving further and further, faster and faster.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Florida has been purple nationally for a long time, and that's why it's on the map. But it's performed red for a long time. I mean, it's the Democrats haven't had a modicum of power mm-hmm. here, since the, you know, the mid 90s. And, you know, Jeb, Jeb Bush and some of the education right. stuff is really, you know, that the, the, while the modern Republican Party really much dislikes Jeb Bush to, to a large extent, he really was kind of on the front end of, 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 of a lot of the, the, the slow evolution you talked about. But it, right now, it it really it really did happen fast. I mean, Republicans have super majorities in both chambers of the legislature here, and and Ron DeSantis has the, the legislature on a fairly short leash. So from a policy perspective, one thing, it, it can't be kind of overstated. He got everything he wanted in the runway up to his presidential launch. I mean, all of the policies, Absolutely. all of all of the things that, that he wanted the legislature to to turn into law so he could then campaign and raise money off of. They did almost a 100% of it. So he had sort of the perfect runway to to launch for president, which makes it even, it's kind of another data point that that you can look at and say... Well, this is really not going, you know, as, as it should have or as planned, because not only did he have the most money, he had years of hype, but he also had a legislature that was, you know, really wanted to see a, a guy from Florida run for president. And they did everything they could do to help him. And it's just none of it is none of it is stuck once once Trump really started to engage again.
2: How much buyer's remorse do you think there was in the legislature? Because I know there were people who were in the legislative in, in actually in both houses, particularly the Senate. That were very nervous about six-week abortion ban, a lot of the woke stuff. Uh, how much buyer's remorse do you think there is right now among those folks? I don't
1: totally know to answer that because I don't think they, they there wasn't really a choice necessarily. I mean, this is the for 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 lawmakers. I mean, for, for lawmakers who uh, Ron DeSantis for the is the first governor in a long time that overtly will you know find someone to primary you in an election. And when Ron DeSantis, we found in the midterms right. when Ron De, when Ron DeSantis picks a candidate. In a, a Republican primary, essentially the person who was in there, even if they were, you know, the anointed one by leadership, they drop out. You, you just can't beat that. Ron DeSantis right. is still uh, at the state level. The, the morning consult governor's poll just came out. He, he's still very popular here. Uh, he's, he's above water by eight or ten points. Sure. So uh, the the idea I guess you could ask, you could say, well, if you really didn't want to take this vote, you could fall on your grenade, you could stick with your principles, and you could probably be in the legislature for two years, two or four years and and go home. So I I don't know that a lot of these guys really saw a choice. And and to some degree, I guess that's political cowardice, right? Like if you're taking votes you don't want to take just to sort of save your own height. That's an argument to be made, but I don't know that that having a political career in Florida, a, a Republican political career in Florida, in voting against Ron DeSantis are two things that can coexist.
2: Ron DeSantis is a, it will be governor for two more years. We'll see if it's a hard landing or a soft landing out of this campaign. We've got you know a lot of people looking at the at, at replacing Ron DeSantis in the next couple of years, including Matt Gates, Wilton Simpson, the AG commissioner. Um, you know, Blazing and Golia, a whole bunch of other ones, including even Don Jr. talking about it to people that I've heard. Um, where do you see that race coming? I mean, it 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 strikes me that the first real post-Trump like MAGA primary will be that race.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, and I think it, unless there's some drastic change with the base, I I find it hard that. A traditional politician, a, a, a Wilton Simpson, who is the now the Agriculture Commissioner here, a former Senate president, who is very much a traditional yeah. sort of politician. You know, I'm just ha- finding it hard on a debate stage with a more sort of MAGA type personality of Byron Donalds or a Don Jr. Like you mentioned, I, I find it hard unless right. there's some drastic shift in the party, which I, I don't foresee uh, it feels like the the MAGA types, or or the you know, I guess the Governor DeSantis wing of this party, as opposed to a more Chamber of Commerce wing of the party, is going to carry the day, or at least have to be viewed as is sort of the favorite going into that 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 sort of race. And it's going to be a crowded primary, so who knows. But it feels like the edge has to be to the the sort of more carnival marker type politician as opposed to the one that's that's, you know, focus, <laughs> fo- focus grouped and, you know, the, right. the one who can go viral versus the one who can be, you know, restrained and try to just get one line in a, a debate as, as, as may have been typical in the past.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be a big, big, messy field. Well, Matt Dixon, you are a deeply knowledgeable guy on the on the on the great state of Florida. I've loved having you on the show. Hope to have you back again soon. Um, the folks, the book is swamp monsters pre-order it now. Um, it is, it is going to absolutely tear a lot of things, uh, uh, open for you about how Florida works and about the internal war between Trump and DeSantis. I look forward to uh, having you back again on the show, Matt, tell people where they can find you on social media. I am on
1: t- well Twitter or X. I'm still getting stumbled there at M Dixon five, five. And that that's my main, <laughs> my main social media channel. That's where most of my content goes and where I'll be talking about Florida coverage and the and the book. Okay.
2: Manny Diaz is Florida's education commissioner right now. And it is under Manny that he has gleefully accepted the mantle of Ron DeSantis' desire to burn higher education and K-12 education to the ground in Florida and remake it uh, in the vision of Moms for Liberty and this ahistorical group of people who um, they believe have taught uh, yeah, I must, must push back against woke history teaching. What? Well, this week, and, 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 and Manny, I love you, brother, but this is too far and you know it. This week they released a curriculum that while it had a number of things that weren't controversial, it had something in it that has become a huge national news story. And that story is that slavery benefited many of the people by teaching them valuable skills no, 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 also no. This idea is so ludicrous on its face and so trollish and hostile and demeaning and terrible that any human being with a scintilla of moral fiber would have looked at it and said, the hell is this? Absolutely not. The idea that you try to ameliorate the history of slavery in the state of florida or in the country is abhorrent it's repulsive we we it, it is the great national sin of our character it is the it is the thing that has that is never been fully healed it is a, it is a something you know as we're as we're bending the arc of history in the right direction it's something that acknowledging the horrors of slavery um is 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 vital to do but this curriculum that they released this idea that they defended, that there were good things about slavery. Manning, brother, you are on the enemies list. And I hope you'll find a way to find in your heart the decency and courage to say you won't be a part of this anymore. Until then, you're on the enemy's list. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list.